Thank you for praying along with me, praying together. Now we're going to give our attention to God's Word. So I invite you to turn to Joshua chapter 2 in your Bibles, or it's also printed for you uh, in your bulletin there. It's a unique time in the history of God's people. We've learned a little bit about General Joshua and the commission that was given to him uh, as the people follow, uh, follow God's promise uh, to occupy uh, the land of Canaan. Joshua is entrusted with this word uh, from the Lord through Moses, and he's standing firmly upon that word. You remember those key themes, be strong and courageous. And so uh, now is the time to go from this preparation to action uh, in chapter 2. And in Joshua 2, we are, uh, you know, we're introduced here. We have two men who are going into uh, the land of Canaan to sort of scout out this land, uh, specifically Jericho. And just for a second, I think, why Jericho? Why stop there? Well, Jericho is just on the west side of the Jordan River. And so to have a base camp, to have this fortress at Jericho was very strategic. Allowed the, the people to make war to the north or to the south. Um, as this, the road that would wind through the mountains there of Judah. So it was a very important uh, place. Um, not not a, a distrust on the part of Joshua. Well, let's see, how's this going to work? Maybe we should scope it out ahead of time. No, this is wise battle planning. This is, this is important. But even more than that, God has a purpose for this scouting mission that Joshua doesn't really know about. Um, these spies encounter someone who gives firsthand assurance of God's promise, a picture of God's grace. Um, so we're going to read portions of, of Joshua chapter 2 as we go along, but let's ask the Lord's help as we approach His Word. <clears throat> Lord God, we are so very grateful that you who shepherd us feed us with your very word. Lord, this is not something that you have to do. You've shown us your beauty and majesty and divine power in all that you've made. We are without excuse to be on our knees before you. But you've chosen to give us your special and particular revelation through this word. Lord, incline our hearts to You. Help us by Your Holy Spirit as we read and contemplate these words in Joshua. Help us to apply them to our own lives, to the life of Your church. Lord, we thank You that this isn't up to us, but it is Your work in us. Guide us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it happened to me again this last week. It actually wasn't something that happened to me, but more the inclination of my heart that led me to believe something about someone else. I'm walking down the hallway, and this person came through the front door, and I'm immediately thinking, okay, who else can I talk to? Who else Can I duck into a room here and pretend I have some business going on so that maybe I don't have to have the conversation or meet this person uh, in the hallway? And it's not because I just wanted to avoid them entirely. In fact, I would actually welcome a conversation with them, but those conversations have, have kind of happened before. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't see any, any change, anything different. Um, and so underneath the, okay, here comes this person, is the attitude of, you know, this person really can't be helped. Um, I don't see how the Lord is, 
Is he answering my prayers for this particular person? I don't see any change. So it's time to, to move on. And like I mentioned earlier about Paul's attitude in first screen, I want to, I want to avoid the situation. Um, I wonder who that person might be in your life. Where you've said in your own heart, in your own mind, I'm done. There's just too many strikes against this person. I don't, I don't have much hope for them anymore. And we might say, God help them, or God bless them, just out of, you know, to be cordial, to make us feel a little bit better. But do you have someone like that in your life? Maybe in the past, maybe right now? When you get to Joshua chapter 2, it introduces us to someone that would fit that picture to a T. That if we knew this person, we would probably be embarrassed and not want to you know, talk with them or, or uh, talk about them. But interestingly, quite convictingly for us, God is not embarrassed by this person. In fact, God has a, has a tendency, sort of a record of using these type of individuals to show His glory. To show the rest of us something about ourselves and more about Him. So we're shown in chapter 2, Again, we're going to read portions here that we have much more in common with that person we tend to write off, with that hopeless person than we dare to admit. So we're going to take a look at this person, uh, who she is, what she has going for, or rather what she has going against her, and then what God does for her and through her. So Joshua 2. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True. The men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. So if you are a spy and you're going into a place that if they knew who you were and what it is you were doing there, they would have no problem killing you, typically the environment spies work under, where, where would you go? What would you do? So we see that, that these spies are no dummies. They go to a place where people are coming and going in and out from other places often. And the language indicates here that this may have been more of a hostel than a brothel. So folks would, would gather, they'd gather in the main living space, the sleeping quarters would be on the, on the second floor or above them. And so if you wanted to hear the latest news, the latest gossip from around the area, not just Jericho, from people who weren't necessarily loyal to Jericho or the leadership of Jericho, this would be the place to be. And what the text is not embarrassed to say is that this place was a home to a prostitute, to Rahab. And there, there are some who have tried to explain away this rather offensive occupation by saying that Rahab, well, she was a hostess, maybe an innkeeper for those who would be stopping at this house. But the text doesn't do that. This woman had heard lots of stories from lots of customers 
There's no ind- and there's no indication really that, that the scouts, the men of Israel, came to make use of her services. Their mission is to search out the land. We see Rahab's relationship to them. It's, it's more of out of fear and camaraderie than business. But she's a prostitute. And that is the kind of, you know, that lifestyle does not bode well to the theocracy in Israel, to the law of God. She has been living, or she is living, in sexual immorality. So there's, you know, there's strike number one serious liability for Rahab. Could God extend mercy? To someone like this. But then there's more here that tells us how little Rahab had going for her. She's, she is as Gentile as Gentiles come. Paul speaks in Ephesians 2. He says, he says that as foreigners, they were without hope and without God in the world. So the blessings of the covenant, the law of God, has been given to Israel. Okay, Rahab has none of this. Okay, she was a foreigner under the the judgment that was to come from God through Israel in the land. But God has something else for her, even as a Gentile, outside the covenant. There's something else. And not only is Rahab a prostitute and a Gentile, so there's two strikes. She's an especially bad Gentile. Rahab belonged to this people known as the Amorites. Many different people groups that occupied the land of Canaan, but the Amorites are singled out uh, as, as a group of the spies, uh, Numbers uh, 13. They're singled out along with the Amalekites and the Hittites. These were, were wicked folks, wicked practices in the land. And Rahab is counted among them. And then as, as a woman, as an Amorite woman, she would have had very little recognition, very little status as part of, of those people. So she's a Gentile Amorite woman prostitute how low can you go here these are not the liabilities you want in this battle nothing about Rahab that should catch the attention of the people of Israel or their God but then something remarkable happens okay, but church family we need to see we need to see Rahab in ourselves There is nothing about you, nothing about me that should catch the attention or draw the acceptance of the Creator God. We are tarnished image bearers. In our sin, we have every every strike against us. Just think of myself. Think of the person sitting next to you, that person that came to your mind a couple minutes ago. There is no depth to which God's mercy does not reach. No liability that is beyond His ability to restore. Do you really believe that? Do I really believe that? Do you really consider Paul's words, of all sinners, I am chief. You know, if that's our heart attitude before holy God, that changes things. It changes how we think about ourselves, or anyone else for that matter. How often are we humbled by the depths of God's mercy to us? Prostituting ourselves before God and our betrothed in Christ. So we need stories like this, don't we? We need to be shown the depths of God's mercy. So Rahab, Gentile, Amorite, woman prostitute, she responds in faith to the God of Israel. 
king sends messengers, verses 3 and 4. She gives them a pretty credible story. She lies and says that these two guys came and they went. Now, guys were probably coming and going all the time, so that was quite believable. There's something, something here that, that, that we need to note. Uh, Rahab hide, appears, Rahab hides these men, lies to protect them all before she ever talks to them about sparing her life, about sparing the life of her family. Before any deals are made, she is acting upon something. So it's a window into her heart, into her own belief, what her faith is resting on. Some have tried to to pin Rahab in a corner here with this lie, saying, well, this was immoral, this was not God's desire. After all, we look at Leviticus 19, do not lie, do not deceive one another. So maybe we just add that to the list of Rahab's liabilities. Gentile, Amorite, woman, prostitute, liar. So her lie, as such, is not excused, but it's never mentioned in the history of redemption ever again. Rahab is commended for her faith in hiding these men, but not for her lie. If telling the plain truth would have meant death for these spies, and we have a unique circumstance here. I recall what, what Dr. David Jones wrote in his book, Biblical Ethics. He says, the murderer has no right to the truth. Uh, Corey Tenboom and her family, wonderful example of this, growing up um, 30s and 40s in uh, in the Netherlands, made a special hiding place for the Jews within their home. And so it was necessary for, there was some deception that was necessary there to save so many who would come through that Dutch underground. And eventually the Ten Boon family is betrayed, imprisoned. Many of Corey's family members are killed in the concentration camps. In fact, Corey herself was only released, I think it was by a clerical error, uh, that she was released from prison. And after her release, uh, she's recorded as having said this, God does not make mistakes, He makes plans. Can you imagine coming from someone like her who had seen what she had seen and experienced what she had experienced? God does not make mistakes, He makes plans. God's plan is to use the deception of a prostitute For his glory. So let's read a few more verses here as she recounts um, what she has heard and what she believes to uh, these spies. Verse 9 I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There is no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save Alive, my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. So Rahab is a a spokesman for the Gentiles here. Uh, The people were in fear. They knew that they would be defeated whenever Israel decided to march against them. 
But this terror, this fear, we're seeing going so much deeper for Rahab. Our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is a God in heavens above and on the earth beneath. So do you hear what Rahab has done? Um, she has, she's made a declaration of where she places her trust in Yahweh, in the God of heaven and earth. And her appeal is to the authority of this God, not to these men. Would you guys please spare us? We'll do anything. That's not what she's doing. Gee, her appeal is to the Lord. To the God of Israel, not the God of the Amorites. Rahab has placed her trust and faith in Yahweh. She has a new God. The fear of the people, it moved Rahab to worship. It moved her to action. The word of God, the works of God, she's heard of, has changed her heart. I can't, think of, I can't help but think of that, that phrase that goes something, those who don't know their history are bound to repeat that history. Really stressing the importance of knowing history, why certain things have happened. We don't know how Rahab came to know these stories, but she knew her history and what happens to those who oppose Israel. It has a major impact on her presently and how she acts. So think how important that is for us to understand, well, understand history in general, but our own history, the history in, in the church, God's working through His people, through the generations. We can share this with those who come behind us. Important we understand our national history, the undercurrent of hostility, the undercurrent of, of injustice, so we can humbly, wisely interact with our neighbors, particularly in a time like this. So Rahab had heard this message with her ears, responded with her heart. Romans 10 tells us, faith comes through hearing the Word, hearing the Gospel of truth. The spies believe that God would, would give Israel the land. We see that in verse 14. They made an agreement with, with Rahab, our life, for yours. If Rahab kept her end of this deal, then not only her, but her entire family would be saved, placed among the people of Israel. So the faith of Rahab here is the instrument for this salvation from the coming judgment of God. Think how marvelous that is. We see that the solidarity of the family here. She has a new God and places, that places her and her family among a new people. We start to see in, in Rahab here that the covenant promises of God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. It's coming true. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The family of this Gentile prostitute is blessed through the descendants of Abraham. And we have no reason to doubt that others you know, could have joined Israel if they had turned to the Lord, Lord of heaven and earth. We're not, we're not given many other examples, but this hope, this salvation is held out by God. His mercy is displayed through the people of Israel, through these spies in these moments. So Rahab is transferred from the Amorite people to the Jewish people. Her faith is validated by 
her actions, places her among the faithful. And we look in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Not all Jews are spiritual Jews. Not all ethnic Israel is the true Israel of God, the true descendants of Abraham. Her faith places her among the kingdom of Christ. So she gathers her family. We assume that, that she really doesn't disclose this conversation in Jericho, and she hangs uh, this scarlet cord from her window, uh, which would be easily seen outside the wall of Jericho. Scarlet color against the wall uh, would be easily seen. And the church over the years has made a great deal all of this uh, scarlet cord, understandably so, um, even though the cord itself is never again mentioned. Uh, it could have been purple, green, blue, and accomplished the same purpose uh, for which it was used. But the color scarlet, uh, you know, it recalls the color of blood. Uh, we find a parallel to the blood of the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12. This is not the Passover revisited. There's no covenant link here, but it would have the same saving effect as that blood that was spread on the doorposts. Rahab, along with her family, new life through faith. And she's held out as a model of faith to all who believe. Just the, this would not be easy for someone like Rahab. I mean, she would be standing alone in a pagan city now identify with a new God and a new people. Okay, this was risky. Shows that a life with God and His people is worth the risk of her own life. Okay, she had everything to lose, especially her life. And yet, by God's mercy, she gains everything. New life in Him. Is our faith worth that risk? Is it worth a necessary action to show that our faith is real? Christians around the world in our culture, are increasingly standing alone. My friends, there, there is danger in being a Christian. Okay, it's always been true. It remains true. Our old ways, think of our old ways apart from Christ. We're now standing against them. They're going to push back. They're going to fight. Those in rebellion against the King, rebellion against our Good Shepherd, they're going to rebel and hate those who represent him. Think of you know, pastors who are threatened with jail time for not marrying of those who are living an active homosexual lifestyle. That's happening now. Uh, you know, sermons and manuscripts we've heard you know, not long ago um, that contain language that begins to challenge some of this you know, rebellion that, that's happening in our land now. Standing up for the essential gathering of the church when the culture says, no, they can, you can wait on that. It's happening now. Okay, but, but we can take heart. Christ is, is near. He is our good shepherd. He has overcome the world. Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. It's worth risking everything for the one who owns and governs everything. Our response would be like Rahab, or maybe like Jim Elliot. He came to mind. He's given us one of these most, most beautiful lines. He is no fool who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Victory is sure, but we're still living in enemy territory to that great day of the Lord's return. So with a new God, a new people, a new life, Rahab 
she's no second class citizen. Number chapter 7. Yeah, number 7. We're told of, of 12 men. These are, are heads in Israel, chiefs in Israel. They're offering sacrifices um, at the tabernacle. And the, the first to offer the sacrifice was a man named Nasan from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and Nasan had a son whose name was Salmon. And we get to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 1, we read that Salmon was married to a Gentile Amorite woman prostitute. Rahab became a princess in the tribe of Judah. The tribe of God's favor. The line of the king of kings. Rahab is in it. You know something? Joshua, Joshua didn't really need information about Jericho. He knew the land. He knew about this fortress. What had to be done to, to take this fortress. That God had given it to them. But before the judgment of God could come, we see His mercy. We see His mercy to the unexpected and to the least of these. Through faith, this prostitute becomes a princess and God does that for all who believe. Okay, we've all prostituted ourselves against the living God. But through faith, in the finished work of Christ, we've been robed now in His righteousness. Robed in the garments of royalty. The king who comes from Rahab's line would deliver her for eternity and he's delivered us. So if you have not cast your faith upon Christ, you've not responded to him with, with reverent fear, then you're like the citizens of Jericho. You're having heard of the power the work of God through Christ, but, but ignoring the judgment that's just on the other side of the river, the judgment of God that is imminent. Okay, please don't wait. Please don't think that you have to have your act all put together. Or maybe get your kicks now before you really commit to Christ. Please don't think that you have some fire insurance because you walk through the door of a church every now and then. Commit to Christ. Lean into Him in faith. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Let's pray together. Lord God, how vast is Your mercy that You would take one who has so many strikes against her and place her in the line of the King of Kings. Lord, we thank You that You have done this for us in Christ. Thank You for the new life, the new God, not, not ourselves and the things that You've made, but a new God, a new people, Your very body that we are a part of. Lord, You and You alone must do this, and You have done it through Jesus. Lord, we thank You for this Word. Use it to encourage us, admonish us, to warn us. Send us now with your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.